And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Matt Murphy, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the globe, it is Red Eye Radio, and I am Matt Murphy. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, wherever you might be and whatever you might be doing, wrapping up a wonderful Christmas holiday or perhaps beginning a new day. We thank you for joining us on Red Eye Radio this Christmas night and into post-Christmas morning. Depending on where you might be, obviously we are all across America and around the globe on Red Eye Radio. Wherever you might be listening, we appreciate you listening to us tonight and this morning. Uh, that said, it might still be Christmas, uh, depending on where you are and where you are listening. And for those of you where it is still Christmas, I wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. For those of you who have just seen Christmas past, uh, we wish you uh, had a happy holiday, and I hope that you have many happy returns into the new year. We'll be discussing Christmas uh, quite a bit on our festivities for today, and I'm excited about getting the opportunity to do so. First, a little about me and a bit of a thank you to Brian, Allen, and the rest of the crew back at Home Base, Red Eye Radio Home Base. And thank you to Gary and Eric for allowing me uh, five hours of opportunity to speak all across uh, the United States and, and all across the globe on this incredible platform. I am normally in Nashville, Tennessee on Supertalk 99.7 WTN. I host a radio show between noon and three on Supertalk, and you're invited to be a part of my world. Uh, and I will do this regularly throughout the course of the evening and tomorrow, because believe it or not, they let me do this for two days. Um, I will um, allow you the opportunity to come on over and join me on social media at Matt Murphy Show on the X Machine. That's what I call it, the X Machine. It's formerly known as Twitter, but I feel a little weird about calling something a name that the uh, owner of the company says that he doesn't want to call it anymore. So I go the X Machine. That's just my nomenclature. Uh, you can find me at Matt Murphy Show there. I'm on a lot of different various and other social media platforms, but I primarily reside on the absolute cesspool that is the X Machine. And trust me, it is a cesspool. So uh, find me there and join me in the conversation on a regular basis, and I hope that you're able to spend as much possible time with us tonight as we get things underway. Uh, wonderful Christmas time with family and friends. I certainly hope you had the opportunity to uh, spend a little time with your family and your friend group 
Uh, we've lots to discuss tonight. Uh, there's late breaking news regarding uh, U.S. military personnel injured overseas. U.S. service members, uh, one at least, in critical condition. Others wounded in an assault by an Iranian-backed group in the Middle East. We will discuss. Um, America has responded, as you might expect, even with Joe Biden as the commander-in-chief, as feckless and useless as he is. Uh, we've responded. The Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, announcing that response uh, some hours ago. Many of you probably did not see that, obviously, because you're spending more time focused on happier things uh, rather than a war, a budding war in the Middle East, uh, a hot war in the Middle East. And I'm including America in that assessment, and we'll get into that long form uh, just a little bit later on in the show. Uh, so we've got that going on. We have the latest United Nations vote regarding Israel and Hamas. And where we go from there, we have that going on uh, tonight and this morning. Um, I want to talk with you about what should be the number one subject on every major newscast in the United States of America and is not. And it isn't for a purely political reason. And they don't even shy away. They being the mainstream media don't even shy away from the fact that it is pure politics driving a lack of coverage on this particular story. And for those of you who pay attention to Gary, Eric, and Red Eye Radio, and generally the news, well, you probably already know what that story is. It's of a domestic nature, and we'll discuss it. It is our porous border immigration and our immigration policy or lack thereof. We will talk about that. We'll talk about our United States institutions, our uh, post-secondary institutions, primarily focusing on Harvard and some of these Ivy League schools that are under fire because uh, they have become so woke, they've lost the basic mission statement of the universities themselves, and that is to educate young people in the United States of America to whatever educational opportunity they have geared themselves toward to give them that opportunity to be educated in that field of endeavor. Instead, they primarily focus on wokeism, and we will uh, we'll talk about uh, Claudette Gay is the name uh, that has become the face of institutions that have chosen wokeism over actually educating our youngsters in the United States. So we're going to talk about that today. And uh, at at some point, and I believe it's going to be in the second hour of the show, I'm going to play a game with you. I don't know if you're familiar with the game Dirty Santa. I will make you familiar. I'll, I'll cover all of the rules of Dirty Santa for you if you want, if you don't understand. It's, it's, it's not dirty for those of you don't, who don't know Dirty Santa. Uh, Dirty Santa is a game played at Christmas parties around, uh, the globe, around the United States of America, certainly. And I've been a part of Dirty Santa. It's, it's a gift exchange game. We're going to play a version of that game in the second hour of Red Eye Radio tonight. And I haven't decided yet whether to call it Dirty Murphy or Murphy Santa. I think Dirty Murphy actually, actually it sounds a little too dirty, so we might go with Murphy Santa. One way or the other, I'm going to I'm going to bring a gift to your party on Red Eye Radio, and I want you to tell me what the gift would need to be for you to pick that gift. Whatever you want, you know, you can go world peace if you want. I don't know that you're going to. I don't know that you're going to get it, but. We'll we'll discuss the rules of the game as we move forward in the show, and I look forward to playing Dirty Murphy or Murphy Santa, depending on what I ultimately decide to call it uh, a little bit later on. But I am compelled with everything else going on in the world, and there's so much to discuss. I am compelled on this Christmas night or post-Christmas morning to say this to you, that over the holiday season, it is a time of reflection regarding our lives, 
it is further a time for us to embrace those things around us that make our lives whole and complete. And I hope that you were able to do that. I just finished up a, a week off. I'll I'll work the week between Christmas and New Year's. I'll spend a couple of nights or mornings with you on Red Eye Radio, and I'm pleased to be here. I will work in my normal fashion on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. So I have an opportunity to speak during this time, but a lot of people aren't working. A lot of people, it's not, it's not taking the day of Christmas off anymore. For most of us who are blessed to have the opportunity, it's taken a few days. And for many of us, it's taken the full week. I mean, Christmas Day has become Christmas week in terms of working people choosing to take vacation time or their companies allowing them some time to spend with family and friends. And that's all a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. And it's right that we recharge, not we recharge our minds, but more importantly, we recharge our hearts. And that's why my heart is leading me to start the show in this way. If you are someone listening to Red Eye Radio, if you know someone that might be in your peer group or your circle of friends or was a friend many years ago, and you've lost connection or lost touch. Maybe it's a family member. You had a falling out 10, 15, 20 years ago, and you've not reconnected. If you or someone that you know is alone this time of year, I implore you to either reach out to someone that you love, to do the reaching out yourself, or to choose someone that you love and reach out to them, do it one way or the other, whatever your heart compels you to do, I want you to think about it for a few moments because a couple of reasons that this is on my mind. The time between Christmas and New Year's, you see more heart attacks in the United States of America than any other time of the year. As a matter of fact, the number one day for heart attack in the United States of America is Christmas Day. The number two day is December 26th. And the number three day in terms of heart attack is New Year's Day, January 1st. Now, there are a number of factors for this. Obviously, the Christmas and the holiday season is surrounded by food and drink. And you are you are consuming and doing those things that you don't normally do on a day-to-day basis to try to live these healthy lifestyles that we're all trying to live nowadays. So you are consuming, you are putting things into your body that's causing, if not a strain, it's certainly different for your body and for your organs and all of that. But I think it's far more than that. I believe that for most of us, the holiday season is a wonderful time of joy and excitement and and energy. There's a tremendous amount of energy that goes along with the Christmas holiday season. And that's good, positive energy, but it's also negative energy there's you know there there are a lot of you here about the the holiday fights around the thanksgiving table or the holiday fights around the christmas table or opening presents on christmas morning i can't imagine and look i do this for a living for 25 years i can't imagine spending a holiday with family and friends and allowing that holiday to devolve into a fight about politics i mean politics it's important and trust me if you don't know anything else by the end of our time together on this radio show, on Red Eye Radio, you will know this. I think I'm right. And I will argue vociferously 
to convince you that I am. Because I don't want you to be wrong. I don't want you to walk through life being wrong. So if we're disagreeing on a political point, I promise you, I will try to convince you that my way of thinking is the right way of thinking. But I can't imagine putting that in front of familial relationships to the point that it is disruptive during the holiday season. I think that's a part of it. I think that we see physical, the physical manifestation of some of those emotionally charged events around the holidays, which leads December 25th, December 26th, and January 1st being the three top days for heart attacks in the United States of America. But I think it even goes beyond that. I am I am convinced that you can die out of a state of depression. I, my mother who was the most, one of the most cherished individuals in my life before she passed away at an untimely age of 53. My mother willed herself to live as long as she did. And I believe that she passed away. I firmly believe that she passed away because she has, she had concluded on this earth those things that she needed to see finished prior to giving herself up to the God that she so cherished and believed in. And so circling back to my suggestion to you, I, I truly believe that it is on us this time of year, the greatest gift that you can give of all the gifts that you perhaps opened under the Christmas tree yesterday morning, of all of the gifts given to you and of all of the gifts given by you, which is a far greater experience, by the way, and that's another subject for another segment. It is a far greater gift to give than to receive. And I think when when you recognize that, when that comes into your life, that is a, a significant sign of emotional maturity in your life, that, that you get more by giving than you do by receiving. Ergo, giving becomes the selfish act. Does that make sense to everyone? When giving becomes the selfish act, I think that's a great sign of emotional and intellectual maturity. And that said, the greatest gift that you can give between now and New Year's, in my opinion, is to try to recognize those in your life that perhaps don't have anyone to talk to. Uh, they don't have anyone to spend time with. Perhaps they are in an assisted living facility. Perhaps they don't have immediate family and friends surrounding them. Perhaps they have insulated themselves from their family and friends in such a way where none of those people want to communicate with them. This is a season of forgiveness. It is a season by which we set all of that aside, all of the small things aside, and we try to reconnect to those in our lives that we love. And I would suggest to you finding a way to connect with those that perhaps need a human touch. They need a human voice in their lives. Think about that for a moment. I think it's the most important thing that we can think of during the holiday season, regardless. I mean, obviously, for those of us who are Christian, uh, this is our most important, with with Easter obviously being side by side, it is our most important season. But beyond that, it is a season of caring and love, forgiveness and charity. And I encourage you to remember that during the holidays, beyond everything else that we talk about. It's Matt Murphy. I'm in for Gary and Eric. They are off this week spending that time with family and friends. It's right on radio. You're always invited to be a part of the show. 866-90-RED-EYE. That's 866 866- 
907-3339. When we return, I will update you on everything going on in the Middle East as we have U.S. military men and women in harm's way as we speak. This is Matt Murphy on Red Eye Radio. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hot Shot Secret, the country's number one fastest growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control, but oftentimes the fuel at the pump falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel's cetane number. In most states, the minimum of cetane number across the nation is between 42 and 45, and most modern engines are built and tuned to operate with the best cetane number closer to 50. If your truck has a low cetane rate of diesel, You'll often be able to tell. Cetane improves starting in the cold. Fuel does not burn as efficiently, which means more soot output, less power, and lower fuel economy. This is why a premium additive is needed to keep cetane numbers up. To keep the engine operating at its best while helping with cold starts, fuel economy, and DPF regeneration cycles. At Hot Shot Secret EDT Plus Winter Defense, a 7-in-1 anti-gel fuel booster at every fill-up to keep cetane numbers in a premium range while also protecting you from gelling. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hot Shot Secret's EDT Plus Winter Defense at HotShotSecret.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is Red Eye Radio for Gary and Eric. It is Matt Murphy, and I wish you I will do this all evening long. I know for most of you, Christmas is expiring, but I think I can say Merry Christmas for the rest of the night. How about that? 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. If you'd like to be a part of the show, we'd love to have you. 
Um, obviously, there's some breaking news that we need to get into with regard to entanglement in the Middle East. Three American military personnel were injured uh, on Christmas uh, during an attack by an organization called uh, uh, Katab or Katib Hezbollah. It's a terrorist organization, a wing of the Hezbollah terrorist organization, uh, that I, and I've not heard the Katib pronounced. I don't really care. Hezbollah is Hezbollah. This happened in Iraq. It was on Christmas Day. One U.S. service member has been critically wounded in the attack. The announcement was made in a statement by Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. The official explained that the United States retaliated quickly in the aftermath of the attack. I'll get into that in just a moment. Austin explained that the direction of the president of the United States, U.S. military forces conducted necessary and proportionate strikes on three facilities used by Hezbollah and affiliated with groups in Iraq. Hezbollah, I should note, operates in many different regions around the Middle East to include, obviously, Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, and others. Austin said that he and President Biden, quote, would not hesitate to take action to protect American troops in the future. The United States military carried out airstrikes on those three facilities used by the Iraq-based Hezbollah organization and, quote, affiliated groups. This happened just hours ago, literally, after the attack injured three U.S. troops. And as I mentioned, one of those individuals is in one of those soldiers or military personnel is in critical condition. A U.S. Central Command statement said early assessment indicated the U.S. airstrikes ordered by President Joe Biden, quote, likely killed a number of Hezbollah militants. The Iranian-backed militant group earlier claimed credit for using a one-way attack drone to target. I mean, this has been happening virtually since the United States of America backed the state of Israel in the aftermath of the disastrous and terrorist attacks, uh, the tragic and evil attacks against Israel by Hamas, an Iranian-funded terrorist organization that had not only military but political control over Gaza and the West Bank. I mean, this, this has been going on since then. The drone attacks have been going on since then. We're going to get into this in just a moment and get your thoughts on it. And I will make the statement that if you don't know who the good guys in, are in this conflict, then I don't think you're paying enough attention to the conflict. Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Matt Murphy. It is Matt Murphy on Red Eye Radio and a happy and good evening or morning, depending on where you might be listening, all across America and around the globe on Red Eye Radio. We certainly appreciate you. 866-90-RED-EYE is the telephone number if you'd like to get involved. I appreciate turning a monologue into a dialogue. I appreciate monologuing, but I like talking with you. Far more. 866-90-RED-EYE. That's 866-907-3339. So we were discussing the latest in the overall Middle Eastern conflict with Iran funding some of these mechanisms by which terrorist attacks are happening, not just against the Israeli people, but against interests and installations and military personnel involving the United States of America. And where does that leave us? Well, sadly, we are somewhat of a rudderless ship. 
in as much as I do not believe that our commander in chief has the mental capacity. And and by the way, I'm not one to overstate this. I was not I don't want to say late to the party, but I am loath without sitting down with someone and looking them in the eye and speaking with them face to face. I'm not one of these guys that automatically jumps to, oh, the guy has dementia, he's mentally unfit. Uh, But the last several years of his presidency has clearly demonstrated that the mental decline, the physical decline is real in President Joe Biden. And he is not mentally fit to serve as president of the United States. And any, any sane planet would recognize this, and this would not be a debatable point. But it is sadly a debatable point because Democrats have nothing else They have nothing left from a political perspective. We'll get into that later on in the show when we talk about Donald Trump and the 14th Amendment in Colorado and some of the events that have occurred regarding the presidential politics of 2024. I do not believe that Joe Biden is capable. And, you know, look, I'm willing to debate it. I'm willing to discuss it. I'll talk about anything. But I do not believe that Joe Biden is mentally capable of making the decisions that are necessary for the best interest of the United States of America with regard to our foreign friends and with regard to our foreign enemies. And I believe that all of what is going on now, perhaps not specifically the events of October 7th, but the weakness that America has demonstrated over the last two years, at least, certainly since Trump left office, has led us to where we are now. And where we are now, in my opinion, we are on the brink of a major war. You know, call it what you will. I don't know that I get into calling it World War III because I think we've already battled World War III in a way. I think World War III is more broadly the battle against Islamic radicalism and Islamic jihad around the globe that started really prior to 9-11, but it became prominent in all of our lives on September 11, 2001. That said, I believe that where we are as a nation, not necessarily with regard to our friendship with Israel and how we are going to support the nation of Israel and their efforts, started prior to the Russians invading Ukraine. Based on the weakness that we saw out of the presidency, based on a lack of willingness to defend American interest abroad, the Russian government and Vladimir Putin took opportunity to what they thought would be a fairly quick seizure of what they consider to be their property and a, and a part of Vladimir Putin's overall goal to retake some of those Regions that were lost when the Soviet Union crumbled. And I and I said at the time, and I want to walk you through the timeline of this, that American uh, America not having a commander in chief that is firmly resolved in how to handle this situation will ultimately slow walk us into war, if not with Russia, with other nations in a broader conflict. And it is possible to put together these conflicts, how the Iranians seem to desire to draw us into a conflict, siding with the Israelis, 
in a broader Middle Eastern war effort. You add to that the desire that Russia has to poke at us while working over Ukraine. And I, I think we are closer to major conflict around the globe than we have been in a long, long time. The inability on the part of the commander in chief, the president of the United States, to engage Russia immediately and forcefully back in what was it? It was February, February of, um, of 2021, March of 2021. My dates might be a little bit wrong on this. I'm just thinking off the top of my head in the timeline. Because we were not able to do the real world negotiations, back channel negotiations to prevent Russia from invading Ukraine, we are now presented with the unfortunate duty, at least as far as the president and his minions see it, and the military industrial complex see it, with aiding and abetting the Ukrainians in their effort to dispatch the Russians. That's going to slow walk us into war, and I've said it since, I said it 16 months ago. It is not rocket science to break this down. All you have to do is be a student of history in order to break it down. If we learned anything from, I mean, the Vietnam War is the obvious example of how American interest can, if we are not committed one way or the other, can slow walk us into a conflict that we neither want nor do we have the ability to achieve any definable victory. And it's what's going on in that part of the world right now. As we slowly but surely walk ourselves toward boots on the ground against Russia. And, and tr that's happening. It, it, it has been a slower slog, uh, particularly during the winter months. But it's happening as we speak. The insistence on the part of the Biden administration that we fully fund, quote, Ukrainian aid above and beyond any other funding measures that would benefit the United States of America, uh, above and beyond any aid or ability that we have to protect our own borders, the president of the United States and the Democrat Party, they have placed a priority on protecting Ukrainian borders. And they've been slowly doing this over the last 16 months. First comes monetary, well, first comes verbal support. My name is Joe Biden. I think I'm the president of the United States of America. Last time I checked, last time someone told me, and we support the Ukrainian people in their effort to dispatch of and get the Russians off of their sovereign land. After support comes monetary support, where the United States of America sends funding to the Ukrainian government, and one would assume, although I don't believe this is happening necessarily, one would assume that money would then go to either humanitarian aid for the Ukrainian people or military aid for the Ukrainian military for the purpose of removing the Russians and their military off of what they consider to be their sovereign land. After, so you see untold millions of dollars going toward this quote-unquote humanitarian aid and military aid for the Ukrainian people. Now, and this all circles back to Iran. Trust me, I'm going to connect these dots for you. So, 
we now see our money going to this cause. And on first blush, it's a no-brainer. One country that has designs on getting the old band back together, that would be Vladimir Putin and the Russians. They want to get the band back together, that band that was called the Soviet Union. And they run roughshod over a part of the world that can't defend themselves properly and a part of the world that was being considered for entry into organizations like NATO and the like. So it seems a no-brainer that we would side with the Ukrainians, and I think that's the right place to be. However, when you begin funneling money to that nation, when you begin supporting that nation militarily and in a humanitarian way, there must be, for the American people to be able to examine it, there must be a level of... Of accountability, And there's not been, from day one to right now, as I speak to you, there's been no accountability for how that money's being spent. Add to that that it's not just money. It is military armaments. It's ammunition. It's other equipment. It's jets. It's fighter planes. It's now training exercises. How long before... And frankly, I'm a bit surprised that it's not happened up until now. I think that it will ramp up in January and February. How long before we hear of boots on the ground doing physical and actual training? We've already done it in the United States of America. Boots on the ground where we see actual training of the Ukrainians by American troops. Now, that's where we are there. And I, and I think it's ultimately a slow walk into the American soldier doing what the Ukrainian soldier ought to do. Secondarily, I think that there needs to be a far greater lift on the part of European nations in order to support the Ukrainians. My position on this is simple. I don't believe that Russia has any sort of territorial right to the Ukrainian sovereignty that has existed for many years. At the same time, I'm interested in what is in American interest with regard to where all of this goes. And I think it goes to the, it goes to boots on the ground in that part of the world. What does it have to do with the, the Iranians? I think the Iranians are trying to bait us into this conflict with Israel in the same fashion that Vladimir Putin would love to bait us. Vladimir Putin is under no illusions that by himself and left to his own devices, the Russian military would be decimated by the United States of America. That that much is so. But Vladimir Putin has an ace in his pocket. And that ace is China. And he knows it. Whether we in America know it or not remains to be seen. Whether one would assume that our government installations, primarily our military, one would assume that the Department of Defense is aware of it. But I don't... I don't think that based on our financial entanglement with China, that it is it is a no-brainer that China would stay out of a, con- a broader conflict in that region of the world. I'm not trying to depress you on this day of or day after Christmas. I'm just trying to get around to what the Iranians have done over the last 24 hours. Because I believe that this is a second front into the possibility of military conflict on two fronts in a faraway place around the globe when we have way too much going on domestically that ought to be prioritized above and beyond these foreign policy entanglements and the amount of money that's being spent, the amount of 
the sheer amount of dollar. We just approved, and Republicans helped to do it, the National Defense Authorization Act. Happened over the holidays. I don't know if anyone noticed. But it took Republicans agreeing to what is almost a trillion dollars in spending. Did the Republicans get any of the concessions that one would expect, considering that they have the House of Representatives? It's a thin majority, but they have the majority. No, no, the Republicans consistently snatch defeat from the jaws of victory or victory from the jaws of defeat. I always forget which way that one goes. I think the Iranians, these drone strikes on American installations, it is a way to measure the resolve of the American government and by extension, the commander in chief as to how much we are willing to support our friends, the Israelis. The Israelis don't need anything from us militarily. And to my knowledge, outside of our normal funding mechanisms, which is that amount of money is debatable whether or not. It is necessary to give the amount of money that we give to the Israeli government. I understand that that's a debatable point, but here's what is not a debatable point. We are right, and it is altogether proper to support Israel because they are the good guys. And I understand that we can go through the history of the state of Israel from 1948 till today, and we can talk missteps in terms of their history as to how they managed the very significant religious issues that go along with their existence and those entities surrounding them that want nothing more than to kill them. But I would suggest that if you have looked at the issue between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and by the way, I see no distinguishable difference, and I'm welcoming a conversation about this, I see no difference between Hamas and the Palestinians. There may there may be those Palestinians that would denounce the actions and activities and the terrorism and the evil that is Hamas in the United States and beyond. And I'm I'm willing and welcoming that conversation with you on Red Eye Radio tonight. But I would suggest that from a policy perspective, I do not see any difference between the Palestinians, a pro-Palestinian position, and a pro-Hamas position. Now, in America, they'll call it pro-Palestinian until the cows come home, because to call it pro-Hamas is to call it pro-terrorism and pro-murder, which is what it is. So we'll get into that and how it's a clear, there, there is a clear difference between the good guys and the bad guys in this effort in the Middle East. And I'll tie all of these things together to... Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. 
Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Matt Murphy, this is Red Eye Radio. This is indeed Red Eye Radio, and I am indeed Matt Murphy. Thank you to Gary and Eric for allowing me an opportunity to speak with you for a few minutes or a few hours, depending on the time that you're able to give us on Red Eye Radio. All across America, nay, the world on the Internet streaming platforms available to you, this is Red Eye Radio. I am here for the duration, and happy evening or morning, depending on where you might be. Happy Christmas or Happy December 26th. Plenty to discuss and plenty to talk about, and I'd love to talk with you. 866-90-RED-EYE is the telephone number. If you want to make yourself available to the rest of the country and the rest of the world with your opinion on the matters of the day, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. During the first hour of the show, and by the way, I, I guess I should reset and let you know who I am. Uh, my name, once again, is Matt Murphy. I uh, Normally, you can find me in Nashville, Tennessee, broadcasting on Supertalk 99.7 WTN from noon until 3 on a day-to-day basis. And I appreciate those of you who join me on social media. I'm found on the X machine. That's what I call it. It's at Matt Murphy Show on X, at Matt Murphy Show. You're invited to follow us. That's where you'll find me most. I'm on the other platforms. You can uh, you can find me if you want to on Instagram, although you won't find me posting anything there. You can also find me on the Facebook and, and the like. But more often than not, you'll find me engaging on the X machine, at Matt Murphy Show. Um, I said last hour that if you look at what is going on with Israel and Hamas, and by extension, Palestine, or the Palestinian people. I understand that Palestine is not a quote-unquote nation-state, but it is a region governing to itself, and we'll get into more of that in a moment. If you look at what is going on, and perhaps you did not have a great historical knowledge of the region or of the conflict prior to October 7th, but any objective examination... Of October 7th, what occurred, the terrorist act that occurred on that day, sadly, the intelligence and the security failures on the part of the Israelis and their inability to see this coming, and not secondarily, but more importantly, the fact that a group that has controlled the Gaza Strip and controlled the West Bank since 2006... Well, West Bank controlled by the Palestinian Authority, I want to be specific because I, I don't want my, my knowledge of the history to be an error or I don't want to impart, I don't want to overly generalize. The West Bank is controlled by the Palestinian Authority. There was also a vote in, in 2006 as to who would control the Gaza Strip, and Hamas won that vote. Hamas being even the more radicalized of the two groups. Hamas has made it a part of their stated mission. It is a part of the mission statement of this organization. The military and political wings of this organization both agree that their stated purpose is the elimination of Israel. It's what from the river to the sea means. So if you are in America and you examine the situation that goes on over there and and your heart can go out to those quote-unquote innocent Palestinian people that do not want this conflict at their doorstep. I understand that. As a human being, as someone who is a believer, especially during this season, in unity and peace and loving one's fellow man, we all want peace in that region. 
Nobody wants peace in that region more than the Israelis. The one organization, the one group of individuals that I find that do not, well, that's the same group that engaged in bloody, evil terrorism on October 6th. There was a ceasefire until that point. When that ceasefire ended. Now, I understand that others see it a different way. And if you do, I invite that conversation at 866-90-RED-EYE. But I would contend to you quite simply that if you examine the goings on of that region of the world, I, in whatever slice of time you want to use, if you want to start in 1948 and go to 2023, so be it. If you want to start on October 7th and go to December 26th, 2023, so be it. Whatever slice of time you utilize to examine historically what's been going on in the Middle East, if you don't come away understanding that one group of people desires peace and the other group of people desires the elimination of the first group, I don't think you're looking at this properly. I think perhaps you either have not examined it enough or you're allowing your own personal bias to enter into how you examine the facts in front of you. And the facts are as follows. The Israelis have consistently come to the table of conversation. Come to the table of negotiation in an effort to figure out the territorial disputes that exist between themselves and the Muslims. And let's cut across the use of the term Palestinians. I think it, we use that term to try to soften what's going on over there because I don't see a distinguishable difference between the Palestinian people and the people of Hamas. Otherwise, why do the Palestinians not look at the Israelis as liberators? Here's what I mean. We are told by mainstream media in the United States of America, the, these organizations, you know, the alphabet soups, the ABCs, the CBSs, the NBCs, the ha I call them hashtag never CNN. I've been calling them hashtag never CNN for the last three years, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Hashtag never CNN. Don't watch CNN. It is a garbage network full of garbage people. I will watch CNN and report back to you, so you don't have to. It is an occupational hazard for me. These mainstream media outlets have been regurgitating this concept that it is one thing to be pro-Palestinian and it is another to be pro-Hamas. And I'm confused as to how those things are distinguishable in their ultimate goals. When I see a group of people in the United States of America attempting to disrupt Christmas, as happened in New York, as happened right here in my home state of Tennessee over the holiday season. Yesterday, as a matter of fact. When I see pro-Palestinian organized protests on the streets of the United States of America and they chant from the river to the sea, what do they think they mean? It's almost as if the unspoken is being spoken out loud. And somehow I'm obligated not to say it. That I don't see a difference between Hamas and the, the Hamas cause and the cause of the Palestinian people as stated by the Palestinian people, and as demonstrated by their votes. I would suggest to you, one, Hamas won elections, and they have been the political governing body of the Gaza Strip since 2006. So this concept of some sort of apartheid state that is presented by Western media, 
this idea that somehow the Israelis have been governing. The Israelis do have to have a control over the borders surrounding Gaza for fear that individuals inside of Gaza, Hamas and otherwise, will kill the Jewish people. They actually believe in their border security around there. They have to. Their existence depends on it. It's existential for the Jewish people. But all across America, I see these rallies, and in these rallies, I think they're saying things that they don't quite understand that they're saying, or they're saying it out loud without fear that they will be called out on it, because when I do, suddenly I'm anti-Muslim, or I'm anti-Palestinian. I'm not anti-any of these things. I'm anti-death. I'm anti-murder. I'm anti-terrorism. Any group of people that wants to live in peace beside other groups of people, those are good actors that would be willing to come to the table of compromise and to try to figure out their differences. Territorial differences, I understand. I understand the importance of that region of the world for the various religious sects that live there. I don't pretend to be a theologian. I don't pretend to be a religious scholar, but I understand the history of the region. And in understanding that history, I clearly see that there's one group that have been oppressed for many, many years. And that the world community determined that that group needed a place to be for fear that they, the, the oppression and the genocide, literal genocide, would continue. And we as a world community made that determination. And that ticked a lot of people off. Back in the day. I get it. I understand why you might be upset if you have to be relocated here, there, or elsewhere. But in the in the past 75 years, we've not been able to figure that out? Well, there's a reason why we've not been able to figure that out. Because one group comes at this honestly and openly stating, hey, here's what we want. Here's what we're willing to concede. Our ultimate goal is to ensure the safety and security of our people and their ability to live in peace. The other group claims to want territorial concession, but what they really want is the elimination of the first group. Now, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy in that scenario? How difficult is it when... You have to strong arm the United Nations, an organization that is supposedly there. And we we've long lost any hope, any semblance that the United Nations is a fair minded organization. Right. But you have the United Nations that barely manages to pass a resolution condemning the actions of Hamas. And they only got something passed because the United States, while abstaining in the ultimate vote, had determined that we would object to and veto any effort to demand a ceasefire. You know, you know how you get a ceasefire in that region of the world? You know how you get a ceasefire? Release the hostages. If Hamas, and by extension the Palestinian people, were to release the hostages currently held, all of them, they could get their ceasefire. Now, obviously, at some point, the Israeli government has to do something about the terrorists that live and operate underground in those regions. 
The point being is this. In examining that vote that recently happened at the United Nations with no ceasefire language involved, of course there should not be any ceasefire language. A ceasefire existed on October 6th. It was disrupted on October 7th. Sadly, in the American circle of mainstream media, you can't find organizations that are wondering what responsibility Hamas has in a ceasefire. It's, it seems to only be Israeli's problem. It, it's only Israel's issue. The ceasefire depends on, and the conversation of ceasefire begins and ends with Israel. It never extends to Hamas, and by extension, the Palestinians in that region. And while I understand that there are some Palestinians that want nothing more than peace, and I, I fully respect that, I also know this, that if you had a similar vote in the Gaza Strip today, in 2023, I firmly believe that Hamas would overwhelmingly win re-election as the political wing, the governing wing of the Gaza Strip, as they currently are. Even though they take humanitarian aid and they fundle it directly into military causes, even though they refuse to release fuel to hospitals while the Western media declares that Israel is preventing fuel from getting to hospitals in Gaza to protect the Palestinian people. Sadly, the Palestinians have been conditioned in that region of the world to hate Jews. I cannot put it any more plainly. This does not mean that I hate them. I'm saddened for them. What I'm trying to create for you in your mind is the concept that there's really no distinguishing in the Western culture between saying you're pro-Palestinian, because I don't know what that means outside of being pro-Hamas. And the stated goal of Hamas is to kill everyone in Israel that is Jewish from the river to the sea. It is 19 after the hour. More on this in a moment. Your thoughts on this in a moment, if you have any. 866-90-RED-EYE. That's 866-907-3339. This is Matt Murphy on Red Eye Radio. Brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max. The IFTA tax program redistributes tax revenue to states based on your actual miles run. Thus, the truly cheapest fuel can only be found if you subtract federal and state taxes and state surcharges from the pump price to compare. The strategy means that you buy without regard for whether you are paying more at the pump in taxes. IFTA also considers state surcharges, which complicates the fuel buying strategy. Indiana, Kentucky, and Virginia have per-gallon surcharges. Connecticut, Kentucky, New Mexico, New York, and Oregon have per-mile surcharges. While some owner-operators buy only enough fuel to get through surcharge states, this practice can backfire, depending on the actual cost of the fuel in each state. When comparing fuel prices, always remember, pump pride minus taxes equals the real fuel cost. Owner-operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business program. Go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
It is Red Eye Radio. My name is Matt Murphy. In for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. Uh, they are taking some much-deserved time off over the holiday season. We'll be back in the new year, 2024. Happy to have you with us, whatever time it is where you are. We thank you for giving us your time on Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE is the telephone number. 866-90-RED-EYE. Would love to hear from you. So, establishing, you know, the good guys and the bad guys in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and recognizing the religious nature of that conflict, and it is obvious to most examiners of the situation, it invariably leads us to this time of year. And that's where I want to follow up on, because there is an overall assault on not just the Christian faith, as there is, I mean, it crops up every holiday season, every Christmas season. There's obvious attempts to ignore history and to alter history for organizational purposes or biases. But that said, it's a little more to the point this time of year, considering the number of protests that we're seeing around the United States of America, protesting Christians and protesting Christianity generally and protesting the holiday more specifically. But even amongst the Christian faith, there is an effort to kind of restructure what we've always known to be true. Even the sex of Mary and Joseph. You heard me right. The sex of Mary and Joseph is being brought into question by certain organizations that have decided to put up same-sex nativity scenes. This is happening right here in 2023. So... I want to extend our conversation into into that arena. There's also an attempt by a priest. This happened yesterday morning, I guess, per my time where it is now, where I'm at now, 28 minutes after the hour, and I'm already into the 26th where I sit in Nashville, Tennessee. But yesterday morning, a priest on CNN on Christmas morning attempted to label Jesus Christ as Palestinian. He tried to somehow conflate the birth of Christ with what's going on with the Israeli-Hamas conflict, started by Hamas or, by extension, as I explained, the Palestinians themselves. So there's this overall war on the historical record, and it's kind of what I reflect on when when I talk to anyone on my show in Nashville or when I have the opportunity to speak to you on Red Eye Radio, I'm amazed at the number of people that get their history from TikTok or they get their history from Instagram or they they seem to get their history from whatever their last Google search might have been and whatever the intraweb might tell them about where we are with regard to the historical record. More on that coming up as we continue on Red Eye Radio. This is Matt Murphy. I'm in for Gary and Eric. Thank you for being with us on Red Eye Radio. the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Matt Murphy. 
Pat Murphy on Red Eye Radio. Thank you for being with us. 866-90-RED-EYE. If you'd like to turn a monologue into a dialogue, I'd like to have a communication. I would love to speak with you. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up in about an hour from now, I'll tell you what should be the number one issue on every news broadcast in the United States of America every night moving forward. There's number one and there's number one A. And I'm going to tell you what they are coming up in about an hour from now. Stay tuned. Uh, we're talking about Christmas, obviously. Merry Christmas to those of you still celebrating the holiday season. Obviously, it's more than just a day. It's a life. It's a, it is a faith-based holiday. And I, my heart reaches out to all of your, uh, you fellow, fellow Christians, but also beyond that, uh, those of you who are celebrating the spirit of the season beyond the religious nature of the season, we say thank you for being with us. And we extend those blessings of the season. Uh, to you as well. Some don't share those blessings. Pro-Palestinian protests erupted in multiple United States cities all across the Christmas holiday with demonstrators trying to block traffic heading into Chicago's biggest airport, O'Hare Airport. Activists blocking traffic and attempting to stop Christmas festivities in New York City and many other cities beyond that, including one in my home state of Tennessee. Activists suggesting that the holiday, quote, should not be celebrated on account of the war in Gaza. Let that sink in for a moment. The Jewish people were attacked by Muslim people. Hamas attacks Israel in an effort to eradicate the Israeli people. It's their stated, it's their mission statement, it's their purpose. And now we're being told that we in America should not be, quote, allowed to celebrate the Christian holiday of Christmas in a manner of our choosing because of what? Because of feelings? Because of frustration? Because of anger? Because of misplaced anger? On Saturday, hundreds of demonstrators marched down Fifth Avenue in New York City, chanting, no Christmas as usual, as streets filled the ho- with holiday shoppers looked on in amazement. According to a video circulated by an organization called Freedom News, and I'm reading this story from National Review, protesters walked by St. Patrick's Cathedral and other churches screaming, no Christmas. Protesters carried large Palestinian flags and cardboard cutouts of President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. I mean, literally, these protesters, they are actually marching in the streets as if Israel attacked Hamas. They're, they're attempting to change the record of what happened two months ago, a little over two months ago. I mean, forget two years ago. Forget how Israel was formed to begin with in 1948. They're trying to change the history that we all observed less than, less than three months ago. The pro-Palestinian movement contends that Israel's ground and air counteroffensive against Hamas constitutes a genocide. You know, there's this concept of of reflecting that which you desire on the people that you desire it to. And I, it, most assuredly, that's what's going on here, that you have a group that desires to eliminate the other group through genocide, and so they're claiming that it is the desire of the other group, in this case, the Israeli people, that they desire genocide against. They they just want people to stop killing them. 
whatever affiliation this group has, whatever religious background that they come with, the state of Israel wants individuals and groups of individuals to stop killing them. And, and this idea of of the counteroffensive having to be some sort of balance against the nature of the offensive is ridiculous. That, I mean, I don't want to oversimplify the point, but that's akin to you, you come at me and you try to take my lunch money on the schoolyard and you push me to the ground and I get up and I push you to the ground. And well, regardless of, the nature of why you came at me, I respond to you, but then I'm told that I can only respond to you in a fashion that you initially attacked me instead of what I ought to do, and that is put down the bully and prevent it from ever happening again, which is what the Israeli people are trying to do. Proportionality doesn't work. It never has worked. It never will work, and it is a way that Hamas has an opportunity to regroup And sadly, I don't know why so many countries allow themselves to fall prey to this concept of proportionality. That you can only kill as many of ours as we killed of yours, and after that, it's somehow genocide. makes no sense. Equally making no sense are the amount of pro-Palestinian protests that are going on in the United States. I, for the life of me, don't understand why a fair-minded, and maybe I'm answering my own question when I say this, a fair-minded person who believes in the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy in the United States of America would come to this country and attempt to change it to the religious totalitarianism that exists in other parts of the world for their own purposes. The the United States believes in freedom, so you have freedom to protest, but what you do not have freedom to do is disrupt the day-to-day activities and the freedoms that I enjoy Because you say that I must alter my world or my lifestyle because of the pain or the emotions that you feel, misguided as they may be. Does that make sense to everyone? The pro-Palestinian movement, carrying on with the article here, contends that the ground and air counteroffensive against Hamas constitutes genocide. Zionism is anti-Semitic, one attendee of the march in New York City said. Hamas and long live the resistance. So now they're characterizing terrorism and evil incarnate that we saw manifest itself with the brutal slaying of civilians, men, women, and children. That is now, quote, resistance. Speaking about October 7th in New York City, one protester said, it's one of the greatest days of my life, one of the greatest days in the history of decolonization. Decolonization, can anyone explain that to me? The Jewish people are not the colonizers here. A process was set about post-World War II, and I don't want to bore any of you with history, but a process was set out post-World War II in an effort to find a settlement region that would be the natural landing place for the Jewish people that had been eviscerated in the Holocaust. And it was determined by the world community that this would be that place. Israel would be that place. And concessions were made for the Palestinians. And they were ready to continue those concessions until such time as the Arabs in 1947 attacked and a civil war ensued. 
On Saturday, a caravan of nearly 100 cars blocked the flow of traffic at O'Hare International Airport in Chicago. Both sides of the interstate were temporarily closed and traffic stood at a standstill. In New York City, pro-Palestinian protesters in a car caravan disrupted Christmas caroling in Washington Square Park. Some demonstrators circled their cars around Big Apple Park, blaring music, honking their horns, while dozens of others chanted on the sidewalk as carolers gathered to sing holiday songs on Christmas Eve. One defiant protester stood on top of a massive SUV as he waved the Palestinian flag. Carolers packed tightly into the park. Protesters attempted to make their presence known on the perimeter. The disruption was a part of full a full day of protest by demonstrators driving in car caravans across the tri-state area. Now, why would they protest? Why would they protest on Christmas? Why would they protest on Christmas? Why would self-proclaimed pro-Palestinian people protest on the holiest of days for the Christian people? The state of Israel is a Jewish state. So why select Christianity? Well, it's obvious that there is a religious component to all of this that supersedes everything else that we've been talking about. And in the meantime, there is an effort on the part of many in our country to dismantle the history of Christmas itself. And I mean, it, and it you have to laugh to keep from crying about some of this stuff because some of it is so obvious on its face. I'm getting into some of that in just a moment. One, a Catholic priest suggested that Jesus was a Palestinian. Despite the fact that the state of Palestine did not exist at the time of the birth of Jesus. And once again, I don't proclaim to be a historian. I'm just a student of history. And even I know this. Some dunderhead with a microphone and a radio station in Nashville, Tennessee knows this. But a Catholic priest in New York City does not. Secondarily, there was a magazine called Christianity Today. And I'll tell you this story. That wants to envision Jesus Christ as an Asian. And I know. You're saying to your radio right now, where's Gary and Eric when you need them? Why is this Murphy guy making things up? I'm not making this up. Title of the article, how Asian artists picture Jesus birth from 1242 today, suggesting that we should depict Jesus Christ as an Asian to be more inclusive. Yeah, but what about the fact that he wasn't? Well, the truth doesn't matter. Reality doesn't matter. What actually happened doesn't matter. To wit, there's another church that is offering the nativity with two women as the matriarchal figures. So instead of Mary and Joseph, there's Mary and Josephine. Because, you know, inclusivity and feelings. You got to worry about your feelings. Myself, I worry about your telephone calls, and we'll get to them in just a moment. I see them out there at 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-90-RED-EYE. This is Matt Murphy at 46 After the Hour. Fill again for Gary and Eric on Red Eye Radio. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
Red Eye Radio, Matt Murphy in for Gary and Eric. You can find me out of Nashville, Tennessee on 997WTN.com. That's my website. That's my home address, www.997WTN.com. You can also find me on the social media, the X Machine, at Matt Murphy Show, at Matt Murphy Show. Let's, uh, I'll tell you what, let's try to get one in here quickly. Sandra is in Virginia Beach uh, to discuss uh, the Israeli-Hamas conflict and the Christ- uh, Christmas holiday season and how those two things interrelate. Hello, Sandra. How are you? Yes. Oh, fine. Thank you for taking my call. And uh, thank you for a a nice presentation of the facts of the Middle East and of the conflict. Um, I, you know, I wanted to add a few facts in terms of the history of the region. I don't know how people have been able to be sold on the idea that um, the Jews are the colonizers. It seems like anybody that's read the Old Testament or the New Testament would know that Jews were the original inhabitants of that land. In fact, you know, in biblical times, lived throughout the region, lived in areas that are now Arab lands, and maybe nobody's ever heard of Sephardic Jews, which was the name of the, you know, ancient uh, Hebrews that lived in uh, the Arabian Peninsula, what's now called the Arabian Peninsula. And uh, when Israel actually became a state in, in 1948, the Sephardic Jews that lived in, you know, the broader region, which is now like Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, uh, they were all thrown out of Arab countries. And what people don't realize is the land of Israel is actually only a half of 1% of the Arabian Peninsula. So Jews are not colonizers, and if anything, live on a much, much, much smaller portion of the land than they originally did. And it's really a blasphemy to, to call Jesus like as a Palestinian as if he were well, a Muslim or something. Well, you they, know, they, he, he they changed Jewish, the... And, I, and anybody, anyone who's ever read the Bible... You would know that he was Jewish. Well, so, Sandra, you I mean, your point your point is so well taken, uh, and thank you for the call. I'm sorry that I have to do it, but I have to uh, cut it a little premature because of the timing of it. But I, I will say this: you're 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 right in your observation that anyone with a modicum of knowledge of history understands that it is far more complex in terms of who was there and who was not there than to say the Jews are the colonizers and they got to go. Well, go one, go where? First and foremost, secondarily, it's not true from a historical perspective. It's and it's inaccurate, obviously, to suggest that. And we'll get into this in just a moment to suggest that Jesus Christ was a Palestinian, that he was anything other than Jewish. But that's not what the Catholic priest actually said. And I'll tell you exact language coming up in just a moment on Red Eye Radio and get your reaction at 866-90-RED-EYE. That's 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll also get into the question of what should be the number one topic on every mainstream media outlet in the United States of America. We'll do that next. 866-90-RED-EYE. Our telephone numbers in for Gary and Eric. It's Matt Murphy on Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Matt Murphy, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America, thank you for being with us on Red Eye Radio. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, I am Matt Murphy. And I so appreciate those two allowing me the opportunity to speak with you on Red Eye Radio on this post-Christmas edition. And it is officially post-Christmas all across the United States. 866-90-RED-EYE. That's 866-90-RED-EYE. Once again, 866-907-3339. If you'd like to opine at any point during the proceedings, uh, we certainly appreciate that. And I would love... Uh, to hear from you and to talk with you. I thank you for your time, whatever amount uh, you're able to give us. And I'm so proud that I'm able to be here tonight, this morning, and also tomorrow uh, for the full five hours. Uh, thank you once again to Gary, Eric, and everybody, and thanks to everyone at home base, Brian Allen, and the rest of the crew. So we were discussing uh, the assault, the various assaults, attacks on Christmas, as we see them every year. There's always an attack here or there on the concept of Christianity and living a Christian life in the public sector and the public square, despite the fact uh, that we are a nation of Christian people. By and large, uh, we allow for other religious faiths and other uh, religious belief structures. It is in our Constitution, that allowance, and it is very, very important uh, based on the concepts of freedom and liberty that our founding fathers envisioned and they that they set down. But at the same time, uh, that freedom to worship entails a freedom to allow others to worship as they choose, particularly if you're the Christian faith. But it doesn't seem like we have that ability very much anymore in the United States, especially considering what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or the Israeli-Hamas conflict, as the mainstream media would have you uh, say it here in this country, um, it has bled over into the United States to the point that there are multiple protests going on uh, on Christmas Day and in the days leading up to Christmas Day. Pro-Palestinian protesters disrupted the Chicago airport, O'Hare Airport. Uh, before that disruption, an organization called the U.S. Palestinian Community Network showed up to lawmakers' homes uh, before the holidays to lobby for the Palestinian cause. Uh, a group stopped at a congresswoman's house, Jan Schakowsky, in Evist Evanston, Illinois, uh, doxing her. Uh, they also went to Democrat Senator Dick Durbin's home in Chicago where they yelled, long live Palestine. I still, outside of the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, I mean, that is Palestine for all intents and purposes. Um, and they claim to be colonized despite the fact that they're not. They claim to want to decolonize, which means they want to disrupt and destroy Israel. And by extension, they wish to kill all the Jewish people. I mean, this is what it means to be pro-Palestine. And I, I've yet to have anyone tell me otherwise. I've yet to have anyone explain what it means to be pro-Palestinian except to push the Jewish people into the Mediterranean Sea. And, and, and I'm willing to listen. I'm not against a conversation about this, but I don't get a conversation about this, despite the fact that I beg for it on my home in my home base in Nashville on a regular basis. Because I want to engage in a way where I understand where the other side is coming from outside of their call for genocide. But I never get it. I never get it. 
Before I get to in front of myself and get into more of this subject matter, I would remind you that you can find me on a variety of places. If you do not wish to call, which you're invited to do, 86690-RED-EYE, uh, for our time here tonight. You can also find me on social media, on the X machine as I call it. Uh, that is at Matt Murphy Show. And you can find me regularly between noon and 3 on Supertalk 99.7 WTN. And you can find us by going to 99.7 WTN.com. So in New York City, uh, carolers attempted to offer sounds of the season in Washington Square Park. They were overrun by pro-Palestinian protests refusing to allow a display of Christian faith on the holiest of Christian days. And one wonders why this is. If this conflict is about the Jewish state of Israel, why would then self-proclaimed pro-Palestinian protesters target Christians? And I think we know the answer, right? It's more of a religious effort on their part. And it is it has nothing to do with the specifics of what's going on right now in the Gaza Strip, because if you break down those specifics, the blame there lays squarely at the feet of Hamas. The government of Palestine, for lack of a better way of saying it, Hamas governs the Gaza Strip. I understand the Palestinian Authority governs the West Bank. The leadership, of course, they reside in Qatar or Qatar, depending on how you pronounce it. They're not even in the area that they claim to want to protect as their own. But these anti-Christian efforts and this rewriting of history goes a little beyond even that conflict itself. And I made mention of a couple of these stories, and I've got them linked up on my X Machine page, at Matt Murphy Show. Yesterday morning, a priest on CNN attempted to link the story of Christmas to the war between Israel and Hamas. Father Edward Beck, I don't know the guy, was asked about the, quote, pain and suffering taking place all over the world during the holiday season and was asked to address those who were feeling hopeless. And he chose to politicize it in his address, saying, I think the message of Christmas is that God enters into it with us and we're not alone in it. So what I'm struck by is the story of Christmas is about a Palestinian Jew. How often do you find those words put together? A Palestinian Jew born into a time when his country was occupied. They can't find a place for her to even give birth. His mother, they're homeless. They eventually have to flee as refugees into Egypt, no less. I mean, you can't make up the parallels to our current world situation right now. He then went on to say... So in some way, that is who we believe God becomes born into that situation. And yet, that very man, Jesus, says, love one another, love your enemies. There is hope. There is light in the darkness. I'm attesting to that. So the reason that the priest found it necessary to say you can't make this, you can't make the parallels to our current world situation up right now is that it's exactly what he was doing. It is not just wrong, it is embarrassingly wrong. And this is coming, I'm once again, I do not proclaim to be a theological historian. But I did go to Sunday school, and I've been to church, and I listened to the messages, message received, and 
I've never called, I've never heard of Jesus Christ called a Palestinian before. But this is the connection that was made by the priest in question. Listen to Father Edward Beck yourself and determine whether or not he's over the top here as he speaks about the reason for the season. All right, stand by. I don't think I've got that. All right, I'll get that connection up and running here in just a moment. I'll get my audio connection up and running. A Palestinian Jew, he says, finds himself born in that region of the world. So there's no pushback on it because I would not suggest that those sitting across from him at the desk of CNN, hashtag never CNN, don't watch this garbage network, would actually have the knowledge in order to push back on the concept. When you compare Jesus's plight to the Palestinians today being forced to flee into Egypt, shame on him for not having some basic foundational knowledge that one, Joseph and Mary weren't fleeing. They were going back to their country to engage in the census as they were ordered to do. For his part, Beck received a lot of pushback on his stance And he shared a a Britannica article called Jewish Palestine at the time of Jesus. Despite the fact that it was not called Palestine at the time of Jesus, um, that did not come into the popular vernacular until much, much later. Said, remembering the name Palestine has long referred to Muslims, Jews, and others who have lived in that part of the world for generations. And that actually came later. Uh, And there was clap back on him there. So there's a rewriting of history with regard to the nature of Jesus Christ himself. And then there's this, and I just have to laugh at this one. A church nativity scene in Italy has decided that instead of being historically accurate with regard to their depiction of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, that they are going to, instead of placing Mary and Joseph figurines at the nativity, they're going to place two women, two mothers at the, at the nativity. Father Vitaliano della Sala defended the depiction of the birth of Jesus on display at the Church of Saints Peter and Paul by saying, we wanted to show that in this scene, families are no longer just traditional families. In our parishes, we see more and more children from the new types of families that exist and are part of our society. Children of separated and divorced people, gay couples, single people, young mothers. Well, That's all well and good, Father. And I don't have an issue. I mean, you run the church in a manner of your own choosing and in a manner of the choosing of the Catholic faith. But this is not a matter of historical debate. What you are depicting is historically inaccurate. And you're doing so because of feelings. You know, and... and, And I understand wanting to draw people in with a certain commonality, but can we not make that commonality about the blessings that Jesus Christ brought with him to earth, the salvation of man and woman alike? In the spirit of being inclusive, what you have done is historically wrong. It was Jesus. Jesus was was born to Mary and Joseph. Virgin birth, 
notwithstanding. Mary and Joseph, not Mary and Josephine. It's not just ridiculous, and some would suggest blasphemous. It's just historically wrong. Now, of course, the typical clapback has come as a petition has raised more than 21,000 signatures in the largely Catholic country in an attempt to get historically accurate nativity scenes. Why you would want to mire what is in and of itself a faithful and religious day into these cultural wars is absolutely beyond me. We'll get to Diane's call in just a moment. And your call as well on Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-90-RED-EYE. When we return to the number one story that ought to be leading every mainstream media news outlet this holiday season and into 2024, but you won't see it anywhere because it looks bad for the big guy. Joe Biden will discuss next. It's 18 after the hour. This is Matt Murphy in for Gary and Eric on Red Eye Radio. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, Matt Murphy in for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley as they spend some much-deserved time with family and friends over the holiday season. They'll be back in 2024. I'm with you right now for the duration and would love to hear from you at 866-90-RED-EYE. That's 866-907-3339. I want to play a little game with you. And, um, and it revolves around the concept of Dirty Santa. So if you've never played Dirty Santa, I want to describe how the game works. It is it is a a regular at holiday parties that I have attended over the years. Uh and it's typical for gatherings of groups of family members, especially if you have bigger families or groups of friends. And if you've never played it, most of you probably have, but if you've never played it, this is the way it goes. At least as we play it. I understand that there are variations, so I don't want to get into the major discussions about the variations of Dirty Santa. I'll just suffice it to say this is the basic concept. So everybody brings a present. Everybody puts the present in the middle of, of, of whatever gathering spot you're at, whether it's a coffee table or a dining room table or whatever. And nobody knows which present is from whom. They're all jumbled up in there. And then everyone gets a number that's in the group. Let's say there's 10 people. You get 10 numbers, 1 through 10. And you select a number out of a hat or whatnot. And whatever your number is, that's the order in which you go to select a present. And then the first person gets a present and they open up the present to see what's inside. And, oh, look, it's a candle or, oh, look, it's, you know, it's a Trump figurine or whatever it might be. The second person then has a choice to make. They can either steal, this is the dirty Santa part, They can either steal the present of the first individual and then that person gets to pick another present from the pile or they can pick a present from the pile. And so if you're last in Dirty Santa, you're in the catbird seat, as they say, because you can scan all of the presents that have already been opened or you can choose to pick the last one on the table. So in this version of Dirty Santa, we're going to call it Dirty Murphy or Murphy Santa, you choose I'm bringing a, I'm bringing the final present. You've already opened up all the presents. You see everything in front of you. You know exactly what you have. I'm bringing a new present to the table, to the party. And I'm holding that present in my lap. And my question for you 
is what would that present need to be in order for you to take my present regardless of what you had in front of you? And it can be anything. So in my mind, my Dirty Santa game, it can be about politics. You can wish for a 2024 that brings you a new president of the United States of America. You can wish for something more fun and frivolous like, I don't know, a a victory for your favorite NFL team in the Super Bowl. Whatever it might be, I'm curious what your gift would be in 2024, serious or otherwise. I'll tell you, somebody just got a Dirty Santa present, and that somebody is Donald Trump. Our former and, I believe, soon-to-be future president of the United States of America, he got one big goodie bag this week, and it's what I believe he's wanted all along with regard to his effort to cast What is going on to the American people in real and plain English? And that is a political persecution. So whatever yours might be, 86690 Red Eye, if you want to join in and have a little fun with us, we'll do it right after after the bottom of the hour, where you tell me what your present would be, what I would need to bring for you to steal and take home with you, what would be the gift? that you haven't received that you would want to get going into 2024, political or otherwise. For most of us from a political perspective, I recognize that many of us are, I I do not characterize myself as a conservative because I'm not. And I try not to lie to my listening audience. I'm not a conservative. I'm a libertarian. I believe in individual freedoms and liberties. I believe that that is what makes our country exceptional that we value individual liberty and freedom above all else unless and until you are depriving others of their God-given rights through force or fraud. And at that time, that's when the government should step in. So, But most of us are of a conservative or libertarian bent, and I'm not trying to catalog or categorize you individually, but to say that I think for most of us, a gift that we would want to receive in 2024 would be a new president of the United States, or at least the promise of a new president of the United States come next November. I believe that's going to happen much to the chagrin and despite all of the efforts on the part of the leftist in the United States of America that are doing everything from every corner of this country to attempt to stop the juggernaut that is former president and current candidate, Donald Trump. And let me tell you, he could not have asked for a better dirty Santa gift than what he received last week. Trump got a goodie bag last week. Not just did Jack Smith lose at the Supreme Court level, but he also got a gift hand-wrapped for him, addressed to him from the state of Colorado. Could not have been better for him. Here's what I mean. The Democrats are always guilty of overplaying their hand. And we saw the Democrats in Colorado overplay their hand politically from 2023 moving into 2024. I'll tell you what I mean in a moment. It's Matt Murphy and for Gary and Eric on Red Eye Radio.
Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Matt Murphy. Thank you much, Mr. Voice Guy. Thank you to Gary and Eric for allowing me the opportunity to spend some time with you tonight or this morning. It is Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE is the telephone number, 866-973339. That's the complete numerical sequence there to contact the show and to be a part of it. And I've opened the door generally uh, for your opportunity to tell me what gift would you steal from me if we were playing Dirty Santa? What gift would it need to be to make it important enough for you to grab it for 2024? It can be anything. It can be something personal. It can be something political. I think primarily politically along these lines because I can think of a lot of gifts that would land at a conservative's doorstep in 2024. None more so than one that landed in the latter portions of 2023 here just about a week ago. And that was the decision by the Colorado Supreme Court. And we're getting into that here momentarily on Red Eye Radio. So... The obvious question, well, let, let, let me back up and say this. I've long stated that if you are a conservative, if you're a libertarian, if you believe in the idea that words mean things and that words set down on a page, even though they were set down on that page 200 years ago, they still have meaning. And that meaning should not be twisted and turned and pretzeled to the point of illogic in order to suit your own political purposes or your own goals. There are mechanisms by which you can change the way that we govern ourselves in this country, either through the amendatory process from a constitutional or federal perspective, or the various states have ways to change the laws in those various states as the people demand it. It's what a representative republic is all about. There are two things going for us if you are of a conservative mindset or a libertarian mindset more so than any other. Number one is that liberals always overplay their hand. They play largely from the same playbook that they've been playing from since the 1950s and 60s. There are different variations of the theme, but ultimately, when they cannot win in the arena of ideas, they attempt to win by vilifying the man at hominem attacks or to call you some form of ist, you know, racist, sexist, chauvinist, whatever. Xenophobe. But liberals have a tendency of overplaying their hand, and I'll apply that to the Colorado case in a moment. Number two, they think you're they think you're dumb. The political left, they don't real, really have a fundamental understanding of how Americans live outside of the coasts. Even if they themselves lived in flyover country. For the most part, the political left, even in flyover country, they congregate in more urban areas and they don't have any concept of how people exist outside of the city center. Cities that are largely becoming hellscapes, I might add. And so they think you're stupid. Liberals argue in a way where they claim that if you were either less racist or less sexist, or if you were just a little bit smarter, you would agree with them. They can't conceive of a world where people have a different value system than they do. 
or that people have a different ideological center than they do. You know, when I talk to my conservative brethren, we oftentimes have a conversation about living in a world where you believe society benefits from a particular way of living, but not demanding government enforce that way of living. That's where my libertarian roots are very deep and very strong. It is one thing to suggest that your life's going to be a hell of a lot better off if you get to church every Sunday morning. But I would never suggest that you be forced to go to church every Sunday morning. Does that make sense to everyone? So liberals always overplay their hand. Always. When they think they have a winning hand, they always overplay it. And this manifests itself more often than not in mainstream media news outlets. Number two, they think you're dumb. And the fact that they think you're dumb oftentimes leads to right back to, in a circular way, to number one, overplaying their hand. And that leads me to the 14th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States and what happened in Colorado last week. For those of you who checked out during the holiday season and maybe you're just now checking back in, here's what went down. In a 4-3 to three decision on a liberal court, the Colorado Supreme Court determined that Donald Trump was ineligible to be on the ballot as a Republican candidate for President of the United States of America. Many states, liberal states, have considered this nuclear option, if you will, And even leftist states like California have determined that it is not only an unwise course of action from a political perspective. It's also extra constitutional. It it has no basis in the Constitution of the United States. Now, there are some leftists that are bending over backwards to try to explain how this fits into the construct of the 14th Amendment, Section 3. And I want to break this down for everyone because I think it's important. Now, it is an absolute political home run for Donald Trump. I could not have selected something more appropriate during the holiday season and wrapped it up and given it to him that would benefit him more. If the Colorado Supreme Court wanted to help Donald Trump, and trust me, they don't. This is a leftist court. And even a leftist court split four to three on the decision. If they wanted to give Donald Trump something that would benefit him in 2024 more than anything else, they could not have gift wrapped him a better present. It is the present of political persecution, which is what it is. Now, let's break it down. Section three of the 14th Amendment is is how the court has justified their decision. It's like a 175-page decision. It is laborious. I promise you I tried to read it all, and I would be lying to you if I said I got through it. I didn't. I read the more salient points, but I admit I did not read the entire decision. But the basics of the decision are as follows, that because of the 14th Amendment and because they held in Section 3 of that amendment that there is a possibility of disqualification from holding office due to insurrection, that Donald Trump, based on the obvious insurrection that he was engaged in, everybody knows it. Come on, guys, January 6th, where you been? Once again, they think you're dumb. 
that Donald Trump cannot be on the ballot. Now, there there are so many different ways to attack this decision. I'm going to start with the basics. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, as written, is as follows. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state, to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such disability. Now, in what context was this section written into the 14th Amendment to the Constitution and ultimately ratified by the states? Obviously, we had just engaged in a major and bloody civil war, what, what is known as the Civil War. Americans, by the hundreds of thousands, had perished as a result of this war. While I am not here to relitigate the Civil War, I have no interest in doing so, there were many reasons why the conflict occurred, and many good men in good standing with their country, chose to fight in favor of Southern secession. And in the aftermath of the war, those individuals, political figures and whatnot, went back to their quote-unquote normal lives, began to piece together their normal lives, and began to offer themselves to public service into the Union, into the Congress of the United States of America as a representative or a senator into the various state legislatures and those in washington dc who were attempting to work out the aftermath of the war and to piece together certain provisions that ultimately would become the 13th the 14th and the 15th amendment to the constitution of the united states they saw these insurrectionists as they saw them And I can completely understand why, from their perspective, they saw them as insurrectionists coming back and serving in the same government that they attempted to rebel against and to secede from. And they found this to be distasteful, to say the least. And so Section 3, Disqualification for Holding Public Office, was written in an effort to force any individual wanting to participate in the government that they were attempting to rebel against and secede from, they would force those individuals to appeal to the Congress of the United States of America, the very body that many of them were trying to serve in, to allow them to public service. And the mechanism by which they would allow that is a two-thirds of Vote of each house, of each body, the House of Representatives and the Senate. So it's pretty obvious those individuals who qualified under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment at the time that it was written 
And it's pretty obvious to most rational human beings in 2023 why this was written into the Constitution. I just explained it to you. It, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to understand. Even liberals should be able to understand this. And many do, by the way. And many see this as a ridiculous and pig-headed move overplaying their hand to a population that they think are full of dunderheads, full of snapperheads like yourselves. And they apply this by hanging on to this razor-thin, illogical argument that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection as president of the United States of America leading up to and beyond January 6th. We'll take thoughts on that in just a moment. 86690 Red Eye. Do you believe that Donald Trump is an insurrectionist? Perish the thought. I could argue no, and I will in just a moment. 86690 Red Eye. Matt Murphy in for Gary and Eric. This is Red Eye Radio. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866 Red Eye. It is Red Eye Radio. My name is Matt Murphy. And for Gary and Eric, this day after Christmas Day and a Merry Christmas season to each and every one of you. Happy holidays to those of you not celebrating the specifics of the Christian holiday. It is Matt Murphy from Nashville, Tennessee. You can find me in my regular place from noon until 3, Monday through Friday on Supertalk 99.7 WTN. I always appreciate a follow on social media at Matt Murphy Show on the X machine at Matt Murphy Show, M-U-R-P-H-Y. S-H-O-W. Uh, we appreciate that. And give us a call tonight and, uh, well, I guess I should say the morning. It's always a confusing thing on Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE. That's 866-90-RED-EYE. Talking about the uh, the ruling in the Colorado case, which I consider to be a, a gift-wrapped Christmas present to the Trump campaign, if not the possibility of Donald Trump being the 47th president of the United States after being the 45th. Uh, even leftists on the editorial pages of the New York Times, agree with me that it is, in by definition, an anti-democratic process to deny ballot access to someone with whom you disagree who has not been charged with any of the crimes that you would suggest are disqualified. And that's the essence of my disagreement in this. That Donald Trump, regardless of what you or I think about it, in order for a court to determine that he falls under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, you have to classify him, define him as a rebel, an insurrectionist. First and foremost, you have to determine if what the individuals on January 6th engaged in was an insurrection. And I think that is a huge stretch, even those that engaged in what is classically defined as a riot. But more to the point, you then have to take the intellectual leap that they were acting upon, quote, orders of the ringleader of it all, Donald Trump, who was acting against the interest of the United States of America. More on that in a moment and how this becomes a gift wrap present for Donald Trump in 2024, demonstrating the political persecution. It is Red Eye Radio, Matt Murphy, and for Gary and Eric. Thank you.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Matt Murphy, this is Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Eric, for allowing me an opportunity to speak all across America and around the globe on Red Eye Radio. It is an honor. It is a privilege. My name is Matt Murphy, and I'm happy to be with you. Love to speak with you. 866-90-RED-EYE is the telephone number. 866-907-3339. If you would like to speak truth to power and engage in a dialogue, we'd love to do that. We've been discussing... Oh, before I get into that, I'll remind you that you can find me on a regular basis, Monday through Friday, normally from noon until 3 in Nashville, Tennessee, broadcasting on Supertalk 99.7 WTN, one of the many, many fine affiliates of red eye radio and we appreciate uh whatever uh, amount of time you're able to give me on a regular basis 997wtn.com is the website 997wtn.com you can also find me on social media you're invited to uh, follow me i'm mostly on the well, i consider most of social media to be an absolute cesspool right any place that you allow people to gather anonymously uh some of those people are going to show you the worst of themselves uh, and this comes out in spades on social media. No location more so than on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. Now I call it the X machine because I feel weird calling it just X. I just it, it it feels odd to me. So I was a little bit flummoxed for a while as to how to describe where to go to me. And, and I just settled on the X machine. I don't know if it sounds good to you. It sounds good to me. But that's where I'm at mostly. Is it a cesspool? Yes. Is it just an absolute barrage of ill-informed and bad opinions and awfulness? Yes. Do I love it? I most certainly do. I get down there and I wallow in it. So follow me at Matt Murphy Show. That's M-A-T-T-M-U-R-P-H-Y Show on the X machine. I would appreciate that. Discussing the latest Christmas gift received by Donald Trump from the Democrats. This time it came in the form of a decision made by the Colorado Supreme Court uh, this happened during a week of time with my family. I spent last week with my family, and I'll be working this week. Uh, for many of you, it's it's the opposite. But I was covering this, I was following this, even in my absence from the radio airwaves in Nashville on Supertalk. And I was fascinated by how oblivious many liberals are to the nature of how this is going to be received by the American public. What you are doing on its face, you are preventing the people of a given population, in this case Colorado, from the opportunity to speak of their opinion on this matter. Of whether or not they believe that Donald Trump engaged in a form of insurrection against the United States of America. Now, for me, even saying that is ridiculous, but I'm bending over backwards trying to give their position on this the benefit of the doubt. And it makes no sense. No sense. In order for you to believe that Donald Trump is disqualified from any future public service, 
or from or disqualified even from consideration. E- even if you believe, let, let me back up for a second because there are many facets of this case that that are just fascinating to me. Even if you believe that Donald Trump is disqualified to hold office, that still does not rise to the belief that he is disqualified from being on a ballot. You would tackle the disqualification from holding public office after the fact. And you would look at the Republicans and say, hey, guys, you could read the Constitution just like us. You're the one that put an unqualified person on the ballot in Colorado, dummies. But that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing. That would be one thing. It would be stupid, but it would be one thing. What they're doing is saying, because of their determination of what they believe without a charge, I I would remind you that Donald Trump has yet to be charged with insurrection. Even Jack Smith, in his comprehensive lawsuits in various parts of the country against the former president of the United States, even he understood not to charge Trump with insurrection because you cannot secure a guilty verdict. You just can't. Because what Donald Trump did did not rise to the level of insurrection. Oh, yeah, sure. He told people to fight like hell. He told people to fight to take their country back. What's wrong with that? How many politicians have said that over the years and over the life of our country? What's fascinating to me is the ability and the willingness of the Colorado Supreme Court to bend over and and jump over every obstacle in their way to get to a predetermined conclusion that they chose to arrive to. And that predetermined conclusion was that Donald Trump may not remain on the ballot in the state of Colorado. I think it's it's telling that we've not seen any other leftist state follow suit so far. That might change in the next week or so. That might change in the next couple of weeks. But I doubt it. I doubt it because of the reaction to all of this. The American people are not engaged in the same way that the mainstream media is engaged with Donald Trump. They do not believe that Donald Trump is an existential threat to the United States of America. And we are frankly a little bit tired of this song and dance by the political left on mainstream media. Every time you turn on, and God forbid you do, but if you turn on some of these awful organizations that I consider to be an occupational hazard, places like MSNBC or hashtag never CNN or CBS, ABC, NBC, Washington Post, New York Times at all, It's the same old song and dance. Two things, two storylines run concurrently with one another. One, that Donald Trump, this one guy, is going to be the downfall of the United States of America. That he presents an end to the American democratic experiment. And it's not just leftists saying this, it's rhinos alike. I mean, people like Liz Cheney and other establishment-based Republicans... When Donald Trump upset that apple cart, he broke their brains. He broke their brains. Trump derangement syndrome is real. And so they have desperately tried to make you believe over the last six years or thereabouts, seven years, I guess, now, that Donald Trump is an existential threat to America, that America cannot survive Trump. They told us that We could not survive a one term of Trump. They told us that Trump would never leave office. 
They told us that he was an authoritarian or a totalitarian and that he would find a way to remain in office. None of these things ever happened. And then they simultaneously tell us, as they're explaining to us what a threat that Donald Trump is to the United States of America, they simultaneously attempt to explain to you how Donald Trump has already engaged in activities that prohibit him or preclude him from future or further public service. So they want to take away your ability to decide for yourself whether or not you agree with point A by denying you the opportunity with point B. Which tells me they don't believe point A, which we already knew that too, right? They have to speak in these terms in order to scare the hell out of you into believing that maybe there's some modicum of truth to their case that Trump is this evil authoritarian that's going to completely dismantle the United States of America should he serve in a second term. Same thing they told you that he would do in a first term. But all of this is just a little too much. Why not trust the American voter? Why not trust the voters of the state of Colorado? Oh, we can't do that. Because were we to do that, we would be rebuked in our opinion and our decision that Donald Trump was guilty of an insurrection. And I don't mean to till this old ground, but I think it bears repeating that none of what happened on January 6th was an insurrection by any reasonable definition of the term. None of it. None of it. Was it a rowdy crowd that allowed themselves to be overtaken largely in the moment? Yes. Were there some bad actors within that crowd? Yes. Did some of them work for pro-Trump organizations? Yes. Did some of them work for the government? I believe they did. FBI? I believe they did. There's a lot that has yet to be uncovered regarding January 6th. But to claim, as the state of Colorado did, that the instance of January 6th and everything that went on there is a settled argument or is settled historically is far from true. What actually happened on January 6th, especially Donald Trump's role in what happened on January 6th, is wildly divergent depending on whose point of view you're listening to. Sadly, there are many that are willing to lie on national television and tell you that it was an insurrection, it was a rebellion, and Donald Trump was the leader of it. Despite the fact that no one, no official court, no legal entity, no official organ of the United States of America or any state in said same has determined that, not one. It's not enough for you to hold that opinion in order to disqualify someone from public office. That's what, that's what banana republics do. And that is why this is such a gift to Donald Trump. It is a hand-wrapped gift by the Colorado Supreme Court because most Americans are smart enough to recognize that this is the political persecution that he's been talking about all along. You don't have to like Donald Trump to agree with that position. And I'm not asking you to. I'm not asked. This has really nothing to do 
with his candidacy for president outside of the fact that the Democrats have decided that they want to supersede and override before you're even allowed to make it your decision making. Because, after all, they know better. They know better. They consider themselves the adults in the room. When organizations like the New York Times, and believe it or not, I I read the New York Slimes, and even the New York Slimes came out with an opinion that the Supreme Court should quickly, swiftly, and unanimously overturn the Colorado ruling. Because not only is it against the basic tenets of a representative republic, it also hurts the liberals. Because it looks exactly like what it is. An attempt to prevent you from voting for the guy that you want to be the next president of the United States. Donald Trump. And currently I would note, and I don't do a lot of polls. I don't do, polls are nice, they're snapshots in time. But invariably, when you talk about polling data, when it comes to the presidency, well, if the election were held today, blah, 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 blah. Well, the election's not going to be held today. Now, is it? No, but it's right around the corner, believe it or not. And Donald Trump has some thoughts on who would the best candidate be against him in a general election. I'll tell you what those thoughts were in just a moment as we continue your calls as well. If you so desire, 866-90-RADIO. Phone line's always available for you. 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Matt Murphy. I'm in for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. Thank those guys for allowing me an opportunity to speak with you on Red Eye Radio. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Drivers must always be prepared for a roadside inspection. This means drivers should always have their personal, vehicle, and company credentials organized and ready, and having any shipment paperwork such as bills of lading or hazardous material shipment emergency response information organized and ready for the inspection official. Just an FYI, the top two violations written against drivers every year, as well as during Operation Road Check, are log general form and manner and log not current. Both are completely avoidable if the driver keeps the log accurate, compliant, and current at all times. Having the vehicle ready for inspection involves the driver conducting daily inspections and making sure any problems that are discovered are immediately corrected. Vehicle readiness also requires the company to make sure that the vehicle is current on all scheduled maintenance and that the maintenance schedule is adequate. This will make sure the driver is being given a sound vehicle to start with. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It is Red Eye Radio, Matt Murphy in for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. And I thank you for being a part of our evening and our morning. I appreciate you allowing me to be a part of yours. 866-90-RED-EYE is the telephone number, 866-90-RED-EYE. If you'd like to be a more direct part of the conversation, we always appreciate that. Presents, presents, Christmas presents abound from a political perspective. When we've been discussing what I think is the nicest political present any Democrat could give, of Donald Trump during this holiday season, and that is this ridiculous, nonsensical ruling by the Colorado Supreme Court. Four to three decision, liberal court, 
Um, all four in favor of. And I try not to do this because, you know, look, I understand some president has to appoint every federal judge. And that does not necessarily mean that the federal judge in question is going to be a poor judge. But it does give us an indication as to how they view the Constitution of the United States, whether it was a Republican that did the appointing or a Democrat that did the appointing, you know. And you get a good idea as to how the left views Donald Trump and how they view the Constitution of the United States based on the fact that they they are appointed by uh, liberals in Colorado. And so in a 4-3 to three decision, uh, they determined that they solely can determine without a, without a jury trial, without a determination by any court of law, without a charge, a criminal complaint by any court, that Donald Trump was guilty of an official rebellion against the United States of America, an insurrection against the United States of America. And for that purpose, and for that reason, I should say, they have determined that he is ineligible to participate in the voting process, even to be a candidate on the ballot, precluding individuals from voting. This is going to get to the Supreme Court in an expedited fashion. Every expert that I have read whose opinion I have any respect for whatsoever, be they liberal or conservative, I just mentioned the New York Times offered an opinion that this thing needs to be dispatched of quickly and it needs to be unanimous. But anyone whose constitutional opinion I hold in any regard whatsoever has determined the same thing, which actually, honestly, and I I don't know if you feel the same way, the conspiracy theorist in me. I, I fear this because these slam dunks somehow have a way of turning against us in some cases politically. But I would note that everyone says the same thing, that, that there's zero way that the United States Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of the Colorado Supreme Court. That once this gets at the Supreme Court level and they are the body that now determines the, the appeal, that it will be overturned and that Donald Trump will return to the Colorado ballot and other states will not attempt to usurp the will of the Republican voters or the will of the people in a general election. Rightly so. But this is good for Trump because it showcases the cards of the political left. They barely try to hide them anymore. They don't have any respect for your voting. The political left doesn't have respect for your political ideology for what you believe should or should not be the direction that this country goes. And they have zero respect for that. They want to move. Barack Obama telegraphed it years ago. The political left wants to fundamentally transform the United States of America. Those were his words. Barack Obama said as much. The 44th president of the United States said he wanted to transform the United States of America. How so, Mr. President? I believe that he desires, that's present tense, not past tense. He did, because I, I don't, I don't think that Barack Obama has left decision making within government. He is simply the power behind the crown at this stage. But he wants to transform the United States of America by making it a more centralized form of government and a less free society. And you can't do that if there are pesky voters in your way. And there are. Matt Murphy on for Gary and Eric. I appreciate you. It's Red Eye Radio. Back in a moment.
Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Matt Murphy. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be with you on Red Eye Radio. I appreciate you. I'm broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. You'll find me normally from noon until 3, Monday through Friday, on Supertalk 99.7 WTN in Nashville. And I appreciate you giving me a listen. 99.7WTN.com is the website where you can find all of the details about yours truly. 99.7WTN.com. Let me inundate you with a couple of other numbers. You're invited to be a part of the conversation, if you so desire. 866-90-RED-EYE. 97, well, let me do it right. 866-907-3339. 866-907-3339. So Donald Trump gets a gift-wrapped present in the form of a Colorado Supreme Court decision. We've discussed that. The second present under the Trump tree, the Trump political tree, came from the Supreme Court of the United States as they declined the opportunity to expedite hearing an argument against immunity on the part of the president of the United States, a former president of the United States. Now, this is ultimately something that will get to the U.S. Supreme Court. I have no illusions uh, that the appellate court that will hear it first because of the court's current decision that they will ultimately side with Jack Smith, that the president doesn't enjoy unilateral immunity with regard to what happened on January 6th. However, the Supreme Court will eventually hear it, but they have no desire to expedite it in a way that is beneficial for Jack Smith. And Jack Smith, the special counsel or prosecutor in this case, he truly does telegraph the political nature of what he's trying to do by trying to speed this process up. That in and of itself is an indicator to me that this is a political prosecution and persecution as opposed to a criminal one. In in as much as they held this case... For three years, they had three years in order to bring this to a court. They waited to bring it in March of an election year, which makes it political in and of itself. Prosecutors have historically been loath to bring cases that might be perceived as political in nature or might have severe political outcomes as a consequence, even if. The individual is exonerated in the case, which is something I think ultimately Donald Trump will be. But Jack Smith is desperate to hold on to his timeline. And what is his timeline? If you've not been following as closely as some, Jack Smith is trying to secure a conviction for Donald Trump between the time that Trump wraps up the nomination process and the general election. What Jack Smith would like to say, I believe this with every fiber of my being. There's some that, oh, no, Jack Smith's just doing the, he's just doing good work as a prosecutor. He's not a partisan man. Whatever. Give me a break. He's as partisan as the day is long. He wants to make sure that he doesn't do this too quickly in as much as another candidate will take over in the role of the Republican frontrunner. Doesn't seem likely. Donald Trump will be, I would suggest to you, and I've been saying for a while now, Donald Trump is and will be the nominee. Now, that doesn't mean that I think Ron DeSantis is an enemy. I don't think Ron DeSantis is an enemy. It doesn't mean that I think Nikki Haley is, I mean, Nikki Haley is not my cup of tea. I have too many disagreements with Nikki Haley 
from a policy perspective to support her as a candidate for president. That doesn't mean I think she's an enemy. But Donald Trump will be the nominee for president of the United States. What Jack Smith is attempting to secure is a conviction between the time that he's sewn that up and the general election. Why would you feel the necessity for your timing to be just so, if not for political reasons? Of course it's political for Jack Smith. But the courts were having none of it. They said, look, you waited this long to bring the case. Uh, There is a process here. There is not a real compelling reason why the Supreme Court should take over the process out of order. We're going to allow the appeals court to determine where they are on this matter. And at such time, we'll hear the matter on appeal. Two wins for Trump. Two Christmas presents under the Trump tree on this holiday week. Let's go to the phones. 866-90-RED-EYE. That's 866-90-RED-EYE. It's John's turn in uh, Sherman, Texas, I believe. Hey, John, how are you? Welcome to Red Eye Radio. I'm doing pretty good. And you? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Merry Christmas. You too. Um, I don't know uh, what the percentage points are for the Republican nominees of what if Trump is up in Colorado or not. But if I was any Trump supporter in Colorado, how can a Supreme Court justice of Colorado dare tell me who I can vote for? You can keep him off the ballot if you want, but I'm going to write him in anyway. If you say I can, what is going to be your uh, record? What's going to be your uh, criminal charge that I write his name in as my candidate of choice for president? Did they say anything about what might sort of be a punishment, some kind of a criminal charge, if they write him in? Because they say they're not supposed to. Well, they claim that you aren't supposed to, but it wouldn't surprise me. I, you know, honestly, John, it, it, and thank you for the call, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they would go so far. There, there would be a time in my past where I would poo-poo such concepts where I would suggest that even that is too far for a liberal. I would I would even suggest to you that four or so years ago, I would think it absurd that liberals in any state, no matter how leftist, whether it be Colorado or California or Oregon, Washington State, wherever it might be, I would have laughed four years ago if prior to the 2020 election cycle or Prior to the 2016 election, if John were to call me and suggest that there would be liberals that would prevent Republicans from voting for a candidate of their choosing on the primary ballot or on the general election ballot, I I would have laughed you off. My goodness, do you understand how the people would react to that? So I don't laugh at the idea that they might preclude someone from writing in a candidate of their choosing. Thankfully... I don't think it's going to come to that, John. Now, I've thought a lot of things over the years that would never come to fruition that did. So I'm not I'm not laying down my last dollar on any prediction. But I would suggest to you that the. My grandpa used to have a saying, my grandfather, the most influential person in my life, he had a saying that. um, That it's a slim the chances are slim to none and slim left town. Well, the chances of 
Donald Trump being left off the Colorado ballot of the primary, the Republican primary, or the general election are slim to none. And slim left town. It, it's just not going to happen because you would be acting extracurricular to the Constitution of the United States. And I don't think the Supreme Court's going to do that. But here's what I would suggest to you is going to happen down the road, John. So the Supreme Court is going to expedite a hearing of this Colorado case. They have to because the Colorado Supreme Court at least stayed their decision until such time as it could be appealed. But they have a deadline. The Colorado Secretary of State has said that they need to print the ballots by sometime in January. I think it's January 10th or January 11th. They have to have a decision as to who's going to be on the primary ballots by then. And so the Supreme Court has to make a decision by then. So we'll have a decision in the next couple of weeks. That decision will be in Donald Trump's favor. But I promise you, when that happens, you will not see the mainstream media across America, these leftists in disguise, and the disguise is pretty flimsy, these sycophants for the Democrat Party, this propaganda wing for the Democrats. You will not see these individuals on mainstream media announcing to you that the Constitution has prevailed which is the truth, you will not hear them saying, well, it was a flimsy decision to begin with, and the Colorado Supreme Court's a ridiculous court, and the Constitution has won today, because what this decision will be is an exoneration for Donald Trump that what he did on January 6th, it's going to be a confirmation that it was never an insurrection on his part. It wasn't an insurrection on anyone's part, in my estimate. That doesn't mean that Some people did not cross the line and commit illegal acts. Obviously, some people did. And they have to be punished as a result. Sadly, they are being horribly over-punished because of the political nature of January 6th. There's no justification for some of the lengthy prison sentences given to some of the individuals that did nothing other than walk through the Capitol that day. Is that illegal? Yes. Does that merit five years in prison? Of course not. But from the Trump perspective, the court will determine no. And I don't think that they'll use this type of language, but ultimately the the takeaway will be, no, you have to prove things in a court of law with a jury of one's peers before you can declare them to be so, such as the Colorado Supreme Court has done. You can't just say something is so and it be so from a legal perspective. Of course, the media is not going to do that because that would be exonerating Trump in a certain way. Instead of properly reporting on what the courts will do, I predict, they will claim that this was a Trump Supreme Court and that Donald Trump's Supreme Court ruled in favor of Donald Trump and that Donald Trump's Supreme Court protected Donald Trump. You see how the language is used? to suggest that something nefarious is going on? Well, it's Trump's court. It's not Trump's court. It's the Constitution's court. It's America's court. This is the way that it works. Presidents are allowed to, per the Constitution, select Supreme Court justices, and Donald Trump had the benefit of selecting three, and he picked three pretty darn good ones. I've long said that Trump's legacy, if anything else, and I think his legacy will be strong even if he's a one-term president and stronger if he serves two, but his legacy resides at the Supreme Court because it's getting us back to a constitutional court 
as opposed to an activist court system that we've seen over most of my lifetime. Oh, but the media, they'll go after it. Oh, it's Donald Trump. The Trump majority in the United States Supreme Court made a decision to benefit Donald Trump. Instead of accurately reflecting what, what's really going on. Speaking of Donald Trump, he has a an idea about who he would prefer to run against in the presidential contest. As a matter of fact, he's saying that anyone would be doing a better job than Joe Biden, which is reason enough that we need to keep Joe Biden in place, in my estimation. The obvious Republican presidential frontrunner claimed this past Friday that vice presidential or vice president, I should say, Kamala Harris would make a better president than Joe Biden. I don't think this is going too far out on a limb to say this, but I think it's pretty funny that Donald Trump's willing to say it. He was being interviewed by talk show host Hugh Hewitt when he said that he believes a presidential vote for Joe Biden is really a vote for Kamala Harris anyway. Seems like he's locked into her for a lot of reasons. He has to choose her, I understand. It would seem like the Democrats, if he doesn't run, have to run her. That's what all of the professionals like you are saying. I'm not sure that's correct, but that's what they're saying. So, yeah, they're locked into her. And she might be, I can't say worse. I think she'd be even better than him, actually. I I actually think that. I don't think you can have worse than him. It reflects on something that I've been saying for quite some time, and that is we need to lay off Joe Biden. If you are a conservative or a libertarian, if you believe in the United States of America, then I ask you to believe that the United States of America can survive another year with Joe Biden as president. I know that it's tough to conceive because of inflation, because of his disastrous domestic policy, because of the disastrous energy policy, because of his disastrous border security policy, because of his disastrous immigration policy, because of his disastrous monetary policy, because of his disastrous overspending leading to inflation and causing a rise of goods and services all across the United States of America. That's just domestic. I'm not even getting into foreign policy entanglements, which some would argue are more of a threat than the domestic side of things. Joe Biden, by any measure, has been a disaster of Jimmy Carter-esque proportions. Even worse. However, each and every one of us, I mean, outside of our personal core convictions and beliefs, each one of us should be praying for Joe Biden's health. I'll tell you why in a moment. It's, uh, It's time for a break. It is Red Eye Radio. Matt Murphy in for Gary and Eric. Red Eye Radio. Back in a moment. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. This is Red Eye Radio. Matt Murphy in for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. Find out more about me. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee from noon until 3, typically Monday through Friday on Supertalk 99.7 WTN by going to 99.7WTN.com. That's 99.7WTN.com. And you can also find me on X at Matt Murphy Show. We'd love a follow at Matt Murphy Show. Follow me there. In for Gary and Eric, Matt Murphy. This is Red Eye Radio. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. 
visit houseproducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.